0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio, from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
2: Good morning, and welcome back to the show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Wolfgang Klein, your host. Wishing you a great morning. Jack Hartle in the studio. Uh... We're getting to that important point of bts it's going to be great mom and dad bts back to school oh what a, what, a, what, a, what a moment in time uh as a kid you hate it and as a parent you love it uh most of your parents or at least adults i'm certain uh, tuning into hi-fi radio trying to learn about money and trying to make yourself a bit wealthier Uh, So we're going to do a little bit of a back-to-school special uh, today. Uh, We're going to speak to a couple of analysts. Uh, Derek DeLay, he covers a bunch of consumer stocks. can talk about millennials, trends, what's hot, what's not. I'm going to move over to Michael Graham in New York City. He can talk a little bit about uh, Amazon, uh, Facebook, correct, Jack? Yep, Uh, Google. Google, uh, artificial intelligence data, all that good stuff. But... It is back to school, so let's speak to the professor from Western, Amos Nadler. Um, uh, Behavioral finance basically is an area of expertise of Amos, and uh, behavioral finance is a very, very uh, new topic when it comes to the world of finance, uh, but it's a very important topic because often you can be your own worst enemy. Uh, You can get caught in manias, i.e. Bitcoin, And get yourself hurt. Uh, And you can perhaps not do what you're supposed to do when things are on sale, and that is buy. Buy, 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 buy. So Amos is going to help us uh, with that. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Amos. It's a real treat to have the professor in the studio.
3: It's a pleasure to uh, be here. Good to see you guys again. Looking great.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. It uh, it is radio, and we try to look good in radio, my good friend. (laughs) Um, So, where where shall we begin, uh, guys, with this here? Jack, you've been throwing me a bunch of stories about uh, Bitcoin.
0: Um, well, going back to school, maybe, uh, you know, what the students sh- should, I guess, expect maybe going into Amos's class uh, if he's going to be teaching behavioral finance. Because, you know, we see it every day uh, with retail investors, you know, how they react to the markets. And, and sometimes, um, you know, like you said, sometimes they're their own worst enemy. So uh, kind of bridging the gap between, you know, what do you expect uh, going into one of Amos's class versus, you know, what do we see in the in the, the day-to-day market? Well, yeah, because
2: you're going to have accounting followed by behavioral finance. Right. Uh, and so there is... I won't say disconnect because it, it's all relevant, uh, but they're just such different studies. Uh, the one is black and white, true or false, yes or no, they're numbers, or math. Uh, your world can be certainly debated and challenged and have a lot of fun, but there's, there's a root to it all uh, and a science to it, and that's really what I want you to help share with the audience, the science of behavioral finance and some of the truths that you can help us better understand ourselves and what we sh- to keep ourselves from ourselves.
3: Yeah, well, it really is based in science and the idea that uh, traditional finance was based on really traditional economics, which was built on like physics and biology models. And so if you think about the traditional finance platform, it's based on models that have like particles and quote unquote rational agents making decisions. And that's what a lot of economics was for a very long time. Right, rational. rational. Rational, predictable, axiomatic. But, behavioral but finance
0: they, i say then they forgot that humans were involved
3: right well because humans are so hard to model could you imagine an equation that models people who have heuristics and biases and moods and hormones and in a crazy environment it's it's almost impossible to have a mathematically tractable model of human behavior and so economics went to like a physics model and so behavioral comes along and says you guys that's not reflective of what people actually do let's model actual people let's have the behavior inform our models and that can help us both have uh, more rich models and have people make less mistakes with their money.
2: So, so give us some of ex- some examples in that, that, that you have discovered uh, in terms of this model
3: creation. So a simple example would be looking at, well, if markets were perfectly efficient, for example, people would act according to these rational models and they wouldn't buy and sell at the wrong times. What we find is that people buy and sell often at the wrong times, <laughs> they lose money trading, uh, prices aren't always accurate. I mean, there's, there's lots of different specific examples, but people don't even enter the market because of risk aversion or risk aversion that's way, way too high and is irrational. And so behavioral finance helps people actually approach these complicated things like the stock market, for example, uh, and or saving for retirement, whatever it may be, and it walks them through these complicated scenarios by, by showing them this is where we make mistakes
2: right i'll tell you what's happened with jack and i in our business um seven years ago we became discretionary money managers where we took the client out of the equation and we trade on their behalf based on a predefined asset mix um prior to we had to involve the clients uh, in the process call them up discuss the trade execute the trade uh all all fee based so was never commission involved but just getting the client involved and uh fact jack Hartle, uh, rate of return went up significantly. I would say clients' returns went up uh, approximately 2 to 3% per year Makes uh, sense. net of fees. It's absolutely remarkable. Uh, but it, re- it, happen- it happened for a couple of reasons. First, you don't have the inefficiencies
0: of trying to call every single client. You've got mm-hmm. 200 clients that you have to contact to sell Royal Bank and go through the logical process of that. Uh, the second fact is that you get a chance as a discretionary
2: manager to actually do the work that you're being paid
0: to do which is select securities
2: right as opposed to making phone calls and, and and discussing why you're selling the royal bank uh how much did i pay for the stock what am i selling it for when's the next dividend And the
0: other one's the loss aversion right oh i'm taking a loss on that one. Oh, i don't want to do that let's wait till it gets to even
2: no that's the big one amos and that's exactly it because you know some uh, winners take care of themselves but you have to learn to manage your losers and that's where again Inexperienced market practitioners uh, have real Difficulty cutting losses, emitting errors, saying that I am wrong. I'm never wrong. I was an A student. How can I be wrong in this business of finance? After all, supply and demand, price-earnings ratio, it pays a dividend. This stock can't go lower. Impossible. And lower she goes. Who was the stock? We just had was a highliner food just brought to our attention. Right, yeah. Um, and said, hey, we and we look at highliner food. <laughs> right. you, you pull up that chart when, you, when you're bored, Amos. Oh, my goodness. We have, the, the stock has sunk. All right? Sunk. Uh, anyways, we've got to pay some bills around here. Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Amos Nadler from Western is in the studio yes the professor of behavioral finance you are your own worst enemy here to help us uh stop doing what we shouldn't know you know making mistakes and uh, getting in the way of success uh hi-fi radio shall be back right after this
1: don't go anywhere there's more great show after this you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto
2: Yes, it is Saturday, so you don't need to go to school today. But it is Hi-Fi Radio, so we are here to give you a very, very high-level education from the University of Western with Professor Amos Nadler for free. That's right, free. What a beautiful four-letter word. Free, free, free. And if you're in the money business, well, you like stuff for free because that means you can keep your money and compound it. Um gotta be careful
0: with free advice, so Wolf. We see that all the time. Neighbors, the taxi cab, giving you free advice on stocks. We were talking to Amos <laughs> about behavioral finance. That, you know, when, when the shoeshine boy is giving you stock tips, they're free advice, but they can be costly. Like that, uh, that's a
2: good, but that's a good point. But no, you and I are credited, Jack. We have licenses, Absolutely. multiple ways. License. We're Absolutely. educated. Um, and we are experienced. So yeah, be careful who you get free advice from. Absolutely. Uh, and it has to be follow through on, on all advice. It can't be a, a point in time and uh, that that is it. It's not uh, encompassing at a point in time. It, it's an ongoing uh, process. Which right. Is As the
0: markets change, you have to obviously accommodate and, and make changes in your thesis and uh, investment.
2: Yeah, and as, as as your kids change, and, and by the way, folks, um, you know, back to school is just around the corner. If you have not paid your child's tuition fees, please make sure you have enough funds able to make that tuition fee payment. Uh, we we had a few clients come to us last minute, scramble. Didn't have the funds available and end up taking money out of their RSP to pay their kids' uh, education funds because there was a gap of about two weeks where they had no cash flow. So please don't be forced to take money out of your RSP if you're employed. It is very costly money. Anyways, Amos Nadler in studio, professor at the Western, uh, so University of Western, uh, specializing in a field called behavioral finance. Not a lot of numbers in that uh, course, I guess. eh? just a lot of talk and theory and oh, uh, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Oh, we no actually contrary. do a lot.
3: It's yeah, we do. I mean, we we do the IV case system, and so they experientially learn through different scenarios uh, that professionals have gone through, both uh, m- money managers, CFOs, also individual traders. We also talk a lot about the market, and we actually we show the quantitative evidence of whether markets are efficient or not. Whether, for example, Cap M, You know, every intro finance class talks about Cap CAPM, the Capital Asset Pricing yep. Model. You know, prices are efficient. And we actually look at the evidence. Is there a relationship between risk and return? And that line does not look at all like what they're taught in intro finance. And so we're giving them an updated view of what the data actually says.
2: So um, in terms of then running simulations, because, um, again, you deal with the human mind, uh, fear, greed, uh, loss aversion, mm-hmm. uh, fear of being wrong, uh Fear of missing, right, out. Fear of missing mm-hmm. out, right? Which is FOMO. FOMO, right, yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, did another, I did another radio station. I called it Mofo. Wi-Fi well, that, well this Fo- is the family Mo. show. This yes, is that, you that, know, you watch it. get the <laughs> acronyms right. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but let's talk about that. Uh, running a simulation with virtual money. I don't think has the same impact as running. That's a true. That's why we bring real money, real
3: money on the line,
2: yeah. your money, hard-earned yeah,
3: yeah. money. That's right. I mean, the whole point of the class is to be experiential. And I agree that in theory it doesn't really matter, but the point is we bring them in, and actually, students do bring in their own money. I do simulations in class where they're, so they're trading, and whatever they make, they can walk away with. Also, in lectures, I put real money on the line. I say, do you guys want to make a, a bet on this? And we walk them through a situation where most people would not take a, a fair bet. And then we show them how it's a great analogy for the stock market, how this, even though it has a positive expected value, they don't do it. And we say, that's like the market. You're scared initially, but if you think about it, the market over time is a positive net expected value bet. That's one example. And the the final piece about the class is that there's a project where they do an actual behavioral finance startup idea, and they do it all in a safe environment, but it is experiential and it is real in some sense. And so they don't walk out on their first job and make a huge blunder and lose the company or their employer money.
2: So we got a, a good story here for the New York Times. Um, you've, you've seen this, haven't you, Jack? Uh, bull market hits a milestone 3,453 days, and most Americans aren't at the party. Uh, so there's no FOMO going on uh, in the stock market, apparently. Not You're, yet. Not right? yet. So tell me something. Uh, in your opinion, um, what does this headline say to you uh, about the market participants, that the fact this bull market is the second is it the second longest in history? Um, what does that say to you?
3: So when you see something— if anything, so when you see something run, I've seen these numbers, and so first of all, those are nominal dollars; those aren't real dollars. So let's take that in consideration that those are those are just what people see on paper, but you don't take into consideration actual inflation. So those numbers are are not exactly uh, purchasing power parity numbers. But when you see something that's running high without the concomitant understanding of what the cash flows are, the companies that drive those numbers, people are going to be hesitant. Uh, it's not uncommon, so this is. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. But you see, people enter and exit markets depending on whether it's doing well or poorly. People are also terrible at timing the market, even though they think they're great. People tend to be overconfident in timing it. And they're afraid of a crash because it feels imminent, and there's a lot of instability in lots of different fronts. Well, well there's, there's always
0: a, there is always uncertainty, right? You had the the Greece financial crisis. Mm-hmm. This is after the the main financial crisis that right. stemmed out of the U S. Then you had Greece. Then you had. Um, I think uh, the downgrade of uh, U.S. debt and there's, there's multiple things along the way You had oil crash as well mm-hmm. so there's always a reason not to be in the market true true but it can certainly be costly like you said you miss out on um, you know a long bull market
3: absolutely absolutely and that's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a leap of faith involved because sure there's been major things going on in Washington. Major tax cuts and those things, and it takes a while to see how they're going to go. But I agree that uh, the the fear of of loss can outweigh the rational decision to participate, and that can be a mistake.
0: And that's like that bet you were talking about just just in the last segment. You were talking about the fact that the the odds are in their favor, and people won't make the bet because they're not making an informed decision.
3: Right. If you're young enough, you you could deal with a crash on the way to retirement. It won't be the end of the world. But but not participating, that's going to be a a pretty bad retirement situation.
2: That's just it. And you know this this is a very interesting market because as stocks are making new highs, Mm -hmm. uh, we get the odd call from a client time to get out time to leave Mm -hmm. what do you think I say exact opposite when something breaks out and makes a new all time high buy more or at least stay with your position look if it's an overweight position it should never have been the position to begin with if you're properly diversified and you don't have any big um, uh, single individual positions keep the diversity going because the the S&P 500 in the last 100 years has compounded at about 12% the average consumer has not compounded at half that number uh, because of Incorrect entry and exit and not viewing the market the way Warren Buffett views the market or our friends at Fidelity as well. They've, they've changed uh, Jack and I's. Yeah, all thought, that, all their internal
0: biases are keeping them from getting those returns.
2: Mm-hmm. Their internal biases. Well, like, tra- cog-
0: cognitive and emotional.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, but the, the the valuation of the market matters to a degree, but I think we're sort of at the midpoint of valuation. And I don't think the party ends until you get to extreme, which means extreme participation and extreme valuation. And I just dis- extreme euphoria. And the extreme euphoria, I just don't see it. We saw euphoria in Bitcoin, party ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see extreme euphoria yet in the broad stock market, the odd sector perhaps, uh, i.e., marijuana, uh, re- regaining some strength in Canada in terms of interest. But beyond that, uh, it is quite. Uh, Benign and as such, I think very, very bullish. As such, uh, Amos Nadler, uh, professor of behavioral finance at the University of Western BTS, back to school. You take good care of our boys and girls because they're going to be young men and young women one day running the country, and so they all their success and our success rests in your hands. Will do. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we're going to speak about consumer names as the millennials get set to go back to school with Derek DeLay to find out what's hot and what's not in the world of consumption. Right after this.
1: Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: That's you and I, Jack. We're gonna teach you. We're gonna teach you, right? What do we want to. We want to help teach people to become financially independent, to uh, financially successful, uh, and have excess money so they can give some money to charity. Speaking of charity, by the way, Wolfgang Klein, yours truly. Uh, and Derek Delay, by the way, is on the line. He's our consumer analyst. Uh, but you have to listen to this part here, Derek. I'm um, gonna be sleeping on the streets of Toronto, November 15th. Uh, the cause, Covenant House. Actually, the true cause is. Uh, Homeless use on the streets of Toronto. Uh, we need to help them. Uh, I have kids, and God forbid they should ever end up on the streets, but crazy things do happen in life. Uh, so for those less fortunate, please help the cause. Go to Covenant House website, uh, look for Wolfgang Klein, and sponsor me. Uh, so far, I'm, I've raised about fifty-six, fifty-seven hundred $5,700, thanks to your generosity. But... It's not enough. We need more. We need a lot more. So uh, please help the cause. Covenant House, Wolfgang Klein. um, uh, What is the event actually called? Executive Sleepout. Look under the Executive Sleepout uh, section. November 15th, please, in advance, uh, send some money your way. You'll get yourself a tax credit. uh, And as Jack and I are helping you become wealthier, your taxes are going up. So this is going to help your tax bill as well. But most importantly, it's going to help some needy youth. On the streets of Toronto, get shelter and uh, get some help. They need it. Uh, Without further ado, Derek DeLay, consumer analyst uh, with Canaccord. Uh, Thank you for joining us. It is back to school. BTS, my friend. As a dad, I am so happy. And you know something? My wife is even more ecstatic. It's going to be great, the wives say. And we all know why. No more fighting, no more screaming. Take me here, take me there. I'm bored. Nonsense. Back to school. Uh, So what's hot, my good friend? What are the millennials uh, consuming?
4: So, hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, back to school, always an exciting time. Also an exciting time here uh, in the consumer space. We get a lot of good read-throughs uh, for trends for the end of the year, what's going to be um, you know, popular sales um, items in, in Chris, for, for the Christmas season. And really, we get a sense of seeing uh, you know, which companies are going to outperform over the balance of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of millennials, what are they spending on? One of the biggest trends that we've seen uh, in the market uh, recently from millennials is spending on what we like to call sort of uh, nichey items, whether that be uh, cold brew coffee, whether that be things in the uh, in in the beverage square. Okay, like
2: sorry, I, I'm I'm going to have to do what some people get frustrated. I do is is interrupt. Did you say cold brew coffee? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I. You wake up. How do you smell cold? You gotta, okay. You, you start by smelling the coffee, my good friend. It must steam to smell it. Cold brew coffee. On a hot day, iced coffee. I get it. But in the morning, okay, that's what they want to do. They want to be the opposite of mom and dad. Just just do the opposite. Whatever mom and dad do, we're going to do the opposite. (laughs) Because we're rebels. Ooh, that's new.
4: (laughs) That's exactly, and here's what you got to remember about millennials. And I apologize if, apologize if there's any millennials on the night on the line. They don't tend to wake up until around eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock anyway, right? So by that time, you don't need a hot cup of coffee. It's already twenty five, twenty six. <laughs> you know, that's what it's all oh, about. Oh, you've so, seen my students. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of the students
0: coming in with. Uh, so so who, who is the leader in cold brew coffee?
4: So one of the leaders that we've actually found in cold brew coffee is, is a company that we really like. It's called Cot Corporation. Uh, it trades both on the uh, on the TSX. The ticker is BCB. Cot. That was the old. You know, see, that's funny because that brand. Yeah, that
0: was the private label.
4: So to, the, yeah, yeah,
2: back in the '70s, man. If you didn't have any money, you drank Coca Cola. It just wasn't the same. <laughs> People laughed at you back then. But uh, obviously they continued, eh? The old no, no name, exactly no name. It. That's funny, yeah.
4: The company's undergone a massive transformation over the last two years. I mean, they they sold off. That legacy cola business that you're referring to, uh, which obviously had the Cot cola brand, I think we've all had RC, we've all had uh, RC Cola, and we've all had Cot cola black. Cherry. And
2: it was warm, my friend.
4: <laughs> it was warm. So, Cot is, has sold off that legacy business. They got rid of that business in, in January of this year, uh, and and a year uh, before that, they bought a company out of the U.S. called S and D Coffee, which is really one of the leaders in uh, in not only coffee to the food service channel. Uh, they're one of the big suppliers to, for example. Uh, you know McDonald's. They're one of McDonald's big, uh, biggest coffee suppliers, but they also have a very, mm. very strong extract business, which they've uh, really morphed to take advantage of this cold brew coffee trend. So they're one of the companies that we think is really going to uh, excel and, and lead the way as cold brew coffee continues to, uh, uh, you know, gain market share and, and, and really, um, you know, grow well ahead of the market. So, that's hey. one that we really like. you uh, you know, for the for the balance of the year and heading into nineteen. Hey,
2: I want to have some fun here, just just because that's what we can do on HiFi Radio, and it's my show. I get to do what I want. Love it. Um, you use the word extract, and you also cover a few marijuana stocks, which leads me to think about Constellation Brands that now owns fifty percent of uh, Canopy Growth, uh, aka Weed. Uh, why not take some cold-infused coffee or some cold brew coffee, infuse some, oh, some gummies or something, little extract in it. What would that do? Eh? Most of your students, eh? <laughs> bring them up, bring them down.
3: I, I'm not an expert from what I've it read. It could help their behavior of finance. It could chill you know, them on my, the one if, hand. It might. I mean, there's, there's calm them a, down
2: for sure. Well, but yeah, but they got coffee—the cold-infused stuff. Yeah, they'll right, like pick enough. them up. There might be then.
3: some confusing neural signals are getting from both of those.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, oh,
2: Derek
3: Delay, my good friend. Dick
2: well, you know what? I'll was.
4: tell you on that. Wolfgang, that's um, that's something that's going to happen. I mean, I'm a genius. <laughs> as, it, as it stands right now in, in Canada, with legalization for the recreational <laughs> cannabis market set for October seventeenth, uh, the initial Gore Downey's death. De- de-
2: by the way, the death of Gord Downey. By the way. Date of death October seventeenth. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
4: is it really? Oh, that's okay. That's interesting. That yeah. is actually really interesting.
2: It, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, Trudeau and Gord, they're, they're buddies.
4: Yeah. So with. With cold, brew, uh, sorry, with um, the the cannabis market being you know legalized recreational in in October, uh, within about a year we're going to start to see more and more of these um, I don't know what you would call them extract products or uh, more nichey um, you know edibles and things like that come to market. Not initially, they're not going to be allowed initially, but we think over the next year, year and a half, we're going to start to see more and more of these products gain acceptance. And frankly, coffee infused cannabis. Or cannabis infused coffee, whichever way you want to look at it, that's going to be something that's going to be a huge, a, a huge. Uh, a huge part you of heard it here first
2: on high, high five. Yeah, I'll tell you something, Amos. You make sure your students don't do those little gummies, my friend. They're dangerous. I've How heard, do you know that? I've heard, I've heard stories. Okay, I, I do Haribo gummy bears. They're the pure sugar. Uh, but I've heard horror stories about people taking these marijuana. And what happens? comatose wow it, complete comatose they cannot get up and no, you know. they,
0: they, they take one and it doesn't work yeah, yeah and that, hour, then, hour, then we're they take picking. two and they're like well it's starting to kick in. maybe we should take one more
2: and yeah. they have a problem that's what that frightens me wow it's, well, it's, well it's, I don't
3: think they'll be eating gummies after this they know it's a uh, coma No, they, they
2: want their cold-infused, marijuana-infused nonsense that we are just talking about here. <laughs> uh, my God, all the ideas that we're coming up with. And you know something? There's more. Uh, but we got to pay some bills around here. Uh, so you please stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. we got Derek DeLay, consumer analyst, man who's on top of trends upon trends. Because you know what? The trend is your friend, and we shall bend some light on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Money.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back... Money. More Money Talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Ah. Well, you got a couple of weeks of summer left. Max Webster's song just reminds me of summer. Uh, beach balls and fun and, uh, yeah, take some time off. But it is back to school, and uh, it's so exciting. Uh, we have Derek DeLay on the line. We have uh, Amos Nadler, uh, professor of uh, behavior finance at the University of Western, here just to talk about the kiddies getting set to go back to school. Um, so what else, Derek? Uh, you know, it's funny, I uh, I saw a funny uh piece about uh, pronouncing brands correctly and a very hot brand, I know we don't follow it, but I know you're on top of consumer brands, is Adidas. You heard it, Adidas. Mm. Not Adidas. No, no, the proper way is it does um that's been a very hot stock and the stock that's come around the corner has been nike um uh, so do, do, do you pay much attention to uh, foot apparel and uh, the various trends because the trends are incredible uh, you just pay an extra hundred bucks to have a bit of reflective tape on a pair of running shoes and justify it uh so certainly big fat margins in that space
4: you know yeah i, I agree we, we do obviously follow the uh the uh, apparel and the footwear market. I think the best way to play that in Canada is probably Canadian Tire, which own, owns the uh, Sportcheck brand. Um, you know, which is a big retailer of athletic footwear. Uh, one of the big trends there is actually, and, and you referred to Nike, has been basketball shoes. Um, you know, basketball has come back into vogue here. We've got sort of a resurgence in the NBA. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. want to call it the Magic Larry Magic Bird area. Uh, era at, at this point, but you've got the LeBron, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant rivalry, you know, the last three finals have, uh, have been Cleveland versus Golden State, now he's obviously LeBron's with the Lakers, so you're going to see, you know, we, we've seen some, some good pickup in, in terms of, um, you know, consumer awareness and, and, and the following of the NBA, which is obviously translated into sneaker sales, and to your point... Uh, I remember back in the day when I was playing high school basketball, if you paid 150 bucks for a pair of Jordans, you were crazy. Now those Jordans are going for $350. So, um, you know, the trends are, are are working. A lot of it comes down to having the right athlete endorsing uh, endorsing your products, and that's where, you know, guys like Nike always tend to tend to lead the way. Uh, as it relates to tire and to Canadian tire and SportCheck in general, uh, it's been a bit of a tougher market in the sporting goods market for them because we've seen the brands, Adidas, like you referred to, and Nike, uh, starting to go direct to consumer, this is something that's new for them. They always used to sell through retail channels, whether that be a Nike store, whether that be Foot Locker, whether that be Hibbitz, Dix in the U.S., uh, you know, Sport Check up here in Canada. So there's some more competition in that market. And then obviously uh, online players as well uh, moving into the market. So I think the retail market in general has been a bit tough um, for many retailers. Canadian Tire, uh, I would have to put in that bucket. It's been, a, it's been a bit of a tough go the last couple quarters. Uh, but certainly the, the footwear trends are strong, and if you can find a, a more interesting way to play that, I think buying the brands is the way to go. So buying Nike ahead of a Canadian tire, I think it makes a ton of sense at this point.
2: Interesting. Um, I'm going to uh, shift gears a little bit because I've been doing a bit of research on a stock that Jack and I have been uh, following. We have yet, yet not purchased it. Um, Great Canadian Gaming uh, Corp. Now, by the way, I'm not a gambler. I don't really support gambling. I'd rather invest in quality companies, buy some Nike, buy some Adidas, uh, call Jack and I, and invest your money. But if you wish to play and you want to gamble, Great Canadian Gaming is a very interesting story. Uh, it's a good quality, unique Canadian story, which are truly hard to find, I believe, as an investor. Uh, you know, oil is not working that great right now. The commodity space isn't that exciting. Well, Derek uh,
0: even talks about Canadian Tire getting uh, Amazon or, you know, there's challenges with on- online retailing. But, yeah, uh, yeah, so it's tough. A, a, co- a company like Great Canadian Gaming, they do have that moat that you're looking for. They have government regulation right and they have a vice that people have they like they tend to gamble and when the economy turns south it's actually uh, something
2: that c- people continue to do that's interesting you said the word vice because Derek DeLay also covers some marijuana stocks so we're gonna have to call you like the vice squad there Derek <laughs> if you, you, you keep it up this way but let's talk about the stock what, what, what can you tell us about the story that that uh, piques your interest and what's the risk to the story great Canadian gaming
4: yeah, I also cover alcohol stocks, and conveni- alcohol stocks and convenience stores which sell cigarettes. So I cover, I got all the sins covered. You are the uh, sin man.
0: There's a lot of money in those sins. <laughs> I
4: got them all covered. Uh, Great Canadian has been one of our top picks for the last couple of years. Still really, really like the name here. Um, you know, to your, to your point, uh, this has been a very, you know, it's a, it's a really strong Canadian company, which benefits uh, from a lot of tailwinds. One is that protective moat. Um, you know, within Canada, there's been one new gaming license awarded. Uh, sorry, within Ontario, there's been one new gaming license awarded within the last 22 years, and Great Canadian uh, was the one that received it. So uh, it's very hard to get new gaming licenses. There's really only one, uh, three players in Canada of scale that have, you know, multiple casinos throughout the country, and Great Canadian is, is, is the largest and we think one of the best operators. Um, where they've been, uh, you know, extremely shrewd, over the last few years is is you know these businesses spit out a ton of cash Great Canadian was smart in the sense that it it hoarded cash and built up a stockpile of cash for what it viewed as as what was going to be a very strong growth opportunity for the company in Ontario. Ontario started modernizing their gaming uh, operations gaming facilities two years ago whereby they effectively privatized uh, a bunch of their um, government-held casino operations. Great Canadian was smart in the sense that they had built up a very strong balance sheet and were able to take advantage uh, of these auction processes where whereby they came out with three of the eight bundles, including the largest and what we think is going to be the most impressive bundle, the GTA bundle. So Great Canadian, over the next couple of years, they're going to redevelop these bundles. You're going to see a lot more gaming uh, prevalence in Ontario. Uh, it's not just going to be a bunch of slot parlors and, you know, small little cafeterias. We're going to see redevelopments into full-scale casinos with table games, hotels, horse tracks, uh, movie theaters, conference centers, the whole nine. And Great Canadian is going to be one of the leaders uh, behind that redevelopment. They're fully funded to do it. Uh, these guys have proven themselves to be great operators and great developers. So this is a stock that uh, you know we'd fully be getting behind uh, in advance of these redevelopment projects, which are going to begin, which are, I've actually already started, and we're going to start to see that flow through to the the company's bottom line over the next.
2: Well, week. I, again, Derek, I went through your research and uh, on Great Canadian Gaming and uh, their development programs, the growth behind the story, uh, and the, the the one that really caught my attention is the Woodbine Center. They are are doing a massive build up there as you indicated there's going to be a concert facility at the woodbine center they're putting in a five-star hotel are they also putting in a water park a water slide or is that beside the water slide that's already there i'm not sure but i saw something about a water slide in it uh a hotel uh restaurants uh, it, it's going to be I, I, from what i see on paper uh, quite the project uh, will, will it rival uh, casino rama oh it's gonna be
4: much bigger it's gonna be much oh. bigger yeah no it, it'll be the biggest facility in canada um, you know, the Great Canadian, along with their partners uh, within that project, are, are going to spend, you know, over a billion and a half dollars just for phase one, actually, of that redevelopment. So it is going to be a world-class facility. I think it's going to be something that's going to be very exciting for consumers, uh, you know, within the GTA and, frankly, the, uh, if you know, the location of the woodbine. I think
2: well, that's, so. that's the point. Sorry, I, I think that's the oddest location. Do you think it's going to support such a, such a build? You know,
4: absolutely. It's right by the airport. And that, that's, it's, going a, yeah. very, it's going to be a very big tourist stop. Very similar to what they've done with their, you know, what was their flagship facility and still is their flagship facility until Woodbine gets underway, which was the River Rock facility uh, in Richmond, BC. Again, that's the second stop on, on the uh, train on the Canada line from the airport. And that is one of the most profitable gaming facilities in North America. So, look, I think the uh, the location of Woodbine and, and and the company behind it operating it, Great Canadian, uh, you know, it, it really is a perfect match.
2: Excellent. Uh, Derek DeLay, I appreciate your time. Uh, you are certainly up to speed on a lot of trends. Uh, you're a very, very smart guy, and you're funny, too. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to stay with an analyst, uh, Michael Graham, uh, in New York, going to talk about technology stocks uh, right after this on Hi-Fi Radio.
1: Making money is the best. So how do you make more money?
2: Plenty of money
1: Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: i will wake you up. Hi-Fi Radio. Little Alice Cooper. Well, school is still out, but not for long. BTS is just around the corner. You heard it. BTS, back to school. Uh, We've got Michael Graham on the line, uh, gracious enough to give us some of his New York time uh, for a few New York minutes. Thank you very much for joining us, Michael Graham.
5: Yep. Hey, Wolf King. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me
2: on. Yep. Yeah, you're, so you're one of our uh, key analysts. You cover the big boys, Alphabet, which I know is Google, Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, uh, even Snapchat, uh, Twitter. Twitter, Donald Trump's favorite company. Eh? Elon Musk doesn't like Twitter so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, know, if you, don't, you don't do Tesla, do you? That's not one of your babies, eh?
5: Uh, no, we actually did. Our, our. My colleague, Jed Dorsheimer, just uh, launched on it, so we do cover it now, but it's not me. Yeah.
2: Um, let's start, because we have Amos Nadler in the studio with us. He's a professor at the University of Western, uh, so we did a couple interviews with him on behavioral finance. Um, but to, I, I want to continue on behavioral finance for a second, because you 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 are our blockchain, our resident blockchain expert, uh, artificial intelligence expert, uh, and and cryptocurrency expert. Uh, correct, Michael?
5: Uh, well, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Well, you yeah. are our expert. You're the, the guy who has the most knowledge within courts so you're, you're the guy we go to. So listen, let, we're just talking about manias and fear of missing out. And Jack shared a, 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 a tragic story with me, but uh, I don't know if I truly feel sorry for the individual, i.e. Uh, a lady uh, wanted to have a better life for her family, took her life savings of about $125,000. Was it cryptocurrency? Put she it should, in crypto, yeah. At the crypto, end of the year, last year. At the end of the year, last year, or, yeah, and basically lost but 70, 80% her life savings, yep. the bulk of her money. So back to poverty, trying to get to trying to become wealthy for the family and Just end up right back. Saw there. an
0: opportunity, took a shot, obviously didn't work out and they're back to where they started maybe even worse right yeah
2: there's a lot of morals to that story my good friends if you need to participate with please do so with such a small amount of your money diversify yourself you know i own af i I own google and amazon and facebook for our clients plus another 47 stocks and each stock would have a two percent weighting so you know if michael graham is wrong which he rarely is but if one of his stocks goes down which i want some will um we can manage the risk. Uh, but let's talk, let's talk about that in terms of uh, blockchain um, and, and all that funky futuristic stuff. Uh, is it real? Is it here to stay? Is it going to disrupt the world tomorrow? Or is this more like a 20 to 30-year rollout phase? And I think it's the latter, by the way.
5: Yeah, I, I, I agree with your assessment, Wolfgang. And you know, I heard a little chatter right before we came on about comparing this to uh, like adding .com to the name of a company. I, mean, I was an internet analyst in the 90s and that's exactly what happened you would you know call yourself a dot com and you would get a much higher valuation it was easier to raise money uh you attracted a lot of attention i think that's going on right now in the blockchain sector as well uh, today there's just you know a lot of um, cachet attached to kind of being a blockchain or a crypto asset or a digital asset related company Um, but I, but I, and I think that's going on and, you know, that will run its course. And unfortunately you're going to get some folks, you know, losing a lot of money by, you know, maybe not investing in, you know, a diversified, you know, sort of prudent, cautious way. Um, but I definitely believe that, um, blockchain and crypto assets are here to stay in some, uh, way, shape or form. And, um, we're just seeing, I think the natural, you know, sort of uh, ripples, you know, early cycle ripples of you know valuations uh, fluctuating, values fluctuating as people try to get their their, their heads around what's going on. So, which
2: company? Uh, because instead of playing blockchain directly, maybe. Played indirectly, in other words, who's currently benefiting the most from utilizing blockchain? Because I'm looking at some of your stocks. Like, I would have to think Amazon is investing heavily into blockchain, uh, i.e., from, to manage logistics. Uh, I don't know about Facebook, uh, but I know certainly IBM is, is is very much involved in artificial intelligence. And again, they're, they're two separate categories, but similar
5: meaning. Yeah, you know? I mean, it, it's inter- it's an interesting question because we we've kind of tagged this as. Um, You know a multi-phase model for uh, traditional equity investors getting involved with blockchain and phase one is exactly what you uh, Describe which is what stocks do I own in my portfolio that might be impacted? And um, you know so far uh, in the early days uh, the all the impacts are mostly negative um, and and it's mostly tied to the financial services industry I think you know there's a ton of potential for disruption in the payments business Um, You know, down the road, I think you correctly point out that there's some, uh, you know, optimization potential in things like supply chain and logistics. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the short term, it's really sort of negative impact, especially in, you know, payments and finance.
2: Giving it back up again, I want to interrupt you if you don't mind, Michael. Uh, Visa MasterCard hitting all time highs and going higher. Uh, and not cheap stocks, so the I think they're gaining markets. And Jack and I were talking about just this, you know, setting up for the interview with you today. That uh, you know, the blockchain uh, is going to be very disruptive to the credit cards, but we're we're
5: not seeing it. Well, we're not yet. we're not seeing it in the stocks yet, um, because I think I think it's not. We're not seeing it in the numbers yet. You know, um, the fact is that like for a whole bunch of um, technical and structural reasons, um, all the blockchains that are focused on the payments sector are either not working, you know, optimally where they need to be from a speed and cost perspective, or they're just not well entrenched enough to really start to take, you know, meaningful market share away from things like SWIFT for international payments and from the credit card networks, you know, but, but that, you know, will um, likely come over time. It's very difficult to predict exactly when, but, you know, going back to your point, we're, we're early in this, in this cycle. It takes a long time for things to, you know, kind of be disruptive, um, you know it, 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 it's it's likely to happen over time and it'll remain to be seen you know as in any shift whether the incumbents um, you know can act quickly enough and uh, in order to kind of you know transition their business to a new reality
2: yeah well look um, Facebook is for old people Instagram is for the hipsters apparently the millennials it is back to school Michael Graham is on the line a. Uh, Amos Nadler is in studio uh Almost Nader, right? Almost, I apologize. Uh, Nader's in the studio is professor of behavioral finance at Western. So I want to talk about uh, Facebook right after the commercial break on Hi-Fi Radio.
1: Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: know we shall all think for ourselves uh, and we are here to help you do just that on hi-fi radio expand, expand your mind your gray matter and try to help you make some money uh, investing wisely and prudently and buying quality assets and diversifying and managing losses and staying away from hype and don't let uh, and preventing greed from getting the better of you uh, it's ironic because it's funny when you see a layup in the market Often, it just ain't so. I thought uh, Tim Hortons recently uh, was looking really, really good, uh, breaking out as a just probably a sure thing, and it went down. Uh, one of my favorite stocks, Facebook, uh, the, one of the cleanest charts that I've I've owned uh, in the last 10 years. It's been such a beautiful, clean chart, staying on trend, technically, let me just look at the chart, technically holding trend line, uh, you know, a few little bumps along the road, but didn't break trend line. Uh, recent quarter, uh, great results. Uh, Michael Graham, by the way, is on the line. He covers Facebook. Uh, but great results out of the stock. But the stock uh, basically has been put into the detention center for a couple of weeks, months. So uh, first off, uh, Michael, Facebook, uh, you, you, you took your price target down on the stock. Um, they own Instagram. It's back to school. Instagram is what the kids apparently insta-chat with their little friends on. Is that what goes on The there, Snapchat right? too. Snapchat too, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, Michael, what do you think about it? Facebook in here first of all? So let's start with that in terms of as an investment thesis at these prices.
5: Yeah, um, you know, definitely think that the the dislocation is more of an opportunity than something to be afraid of. Um, You know, the the, the stock went down because even though Facebook had a solid uh, Q2, they came out and said that, um, you know, revenue growth was going to slow down quite a bit. Um, And they also said that they were going to have to spend a whole bunch more money in order to ensure that, you know, users' privacy needs were met. Oh, speaking Um,
3: of which, Mike, can I ask you a two-part question about this? The whole privacy thing was a huge blow to the trust of the company. Yet, at the same time, Facebook's getting into other ways of generating revenue, and specifically, they announced online dating. Now, how do you think that's going to work, given that Facebook has the most information about people that's, I think, ever been available in human history about individuals, but also there's such a blow to their credibility and trust among consumers? So how do you think that's going to actually play out in terms of revenue and people actually using the services?
5: Yeah, great, great questions, and, and you know, um, I think from, a, from a, a user's kind of still using the service perspective, um, what we've seen so far is that um, they, the users aren't that focused on, like, turning down their usage of Facebook because of privacy concerns. I think, um, I think you know, we haven't seen that show up in Facebook's user metrics yet. Uh, the user base is still growing nicely. The engagement of the user base is still expanding in terms of time spent. So, um, you know, sorry, Michael. That's
2: expanding time spent on Facebook is going up still. It is indeed, okay.
5: and, and and the users are voting, you know, with their thumbs, so to speak. Um, yep. Even though the regulators are, are are more focused on the privacy concerns than the users, um, we also saw, and this was true with Google too, that you know, when, when GDPR in Europe, which just happened recently, and caused all the users to face, you know, these opt-in screens when they you know restarted the app and the vast, vast, vast majority of users just buzzed right through that and wanted to just get into the content and not worry about it. So, you know, from that perspective, I think the users are pretty okay. You know, the dating thing is super interesting because this is the second or third time Facebook's kind of, you know, done this way back in the early days when a lot of developers were building apps on top of Facebook. They had, um, you know, a dating thing. And uh, what they saw back then was that that it's actually sort of, you know, just like, uh, users don't want to use uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and sort of co-mingle those accounts. Um, they found that users wanted to keep the mainstream part of their social network separate from like searching for dates and searching for, you know, mm-hmm. a, a significant other. They they felt like, you know, it was sort of two different worlds. So will it work through
3: the Facebook brand or would they be selling the data? How will that actually work? They announced it. What's, what is this? does this have any material impact on the company?
5: We haven't, well, it, you know, it, it would be one of those things that drives engagement higher, right? You know, that time spent, um, and, and, and possibly it could, you know, lead the way into subscription. I mean, Facebook's never charged for anything, uh, but, you know, there's always that possibility, um, you know, down the road. But the thing that makes, like, you know, Match Group, for example, you know, is just very much sort of a walled-off, like, dating environment. Mm-hmm. And it's, that makes you know, sense. Different, different from, your, from your regular social network.
2: Interesting. Uh, in terms of regulation, Jack, you have a quote that I like. You always throw the quote out uh, about something. Right, right. Go it, go a,
0: well, when a company's profitable, you tax it. That's what government does. Oh. When it continues to make money, um, you regulate it. Yep. And when they stop mo- making money.
2: You subsidize it. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, so we're not subsidizing so, Facebook <laughs> just yet, but we are regulating it. Uh, again, antitrust regulation is, is a big, big topic because we saw it with Microsoft, I believe. We saw it with Google. Uh, and now you're seeing it with Facebook. Uh, so,
0: Well, it's, a, it's definitely a headwind that they have to contend with, and it's because they're powerful companies.
2: Yeah, well, it's either that or companies that lose money, which we don't like either. So nope. uh, uh, Michael Graham, thank you for your time, your, your wealth of knowledge. I want to talk to you next time about Wayfair versus Amazon moving forward. Furniture versus small package goods, but stock you don't cover, but I know you know something about it. But we're out of time. It's getting set for back to school. A week and a half away, but summer continues. So I do want to wish you all a wonderful weekend. And please join Jack and I each and every Saturday uh, at 7 to 8 a.m. on Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto for fresh episodes of Hi-Fi Radio. All the best.